Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. Welcome back. Thank you much. Good vacation? Yes. It was a good time. And you, I, no broken limbs. Nothing broken. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> uh, okay. We are going to start with Wendy Williams. The Lifetime documentary uh, aired over the weekend, and oh. it is just tragic to see the deterioration of Wendy Williams, how it happened, and the fact that there still isn't peace among the family, among yeah. guardians, it's a mess. There is a, a, a war uh, that is going on around Wendy Williams. As, as you said, it is just jarring to see. And the, the, the docuseries does a, whether intentional or not, does a great job of really uh, revealing to you uh, what she's going through. And it is uh, very sad to see. We told you last week that she was diagnosed aphasia. with aphasia and dementia, which is exactly what Bruce Willis is dealing with right now. Right. Um, uh, the other factor that Bruce Willis doesn't have going on around him uh, is this war, as I said, um, that is sort of for control of Wendy's life. Uh, in the docuseries, her family was very involved, and they spoke out um, about who they feel they're up against in uh, trying to care for Wendy at this critical stage. The decision to bring her to Florida was between us and the show. It was a group decision. The decision to keep her in Florida extended was a family decision. And that's where the show and the family started to disagree and the financial advisor. When they saw that she was down here for too long and it, what our priority wasn't just to dust her up and then put her back on stage, it was to actually focus on long-term recovery that they started fighting us. I said, no, she's not coming back up because she needs to get better. I made sure that business was always on the back burner and that, you know, health was the number one priority. Do you think your sister needs to live in Miami? Live in Miami? Well, I mean, you know, I think that she's just, right now she's weak and vulnerable and she needs to be around people who aren't going to take advantage of that. Wow. It's the opposite of Bruce Willis, who's getting so much love and support all around him, and there is still conflict, divisiveness, and there's this battle. I mean, it's kind of a three-way battle between right. the show, the family, and the guardianship. Right. And the, the guardianship, which, you know, um, you heard from her nephew, her son there, who they, they feel at least, um, they didn't say this outright, but the insinuation is they're just, they just want to make get her back somewhere that they can make money off of her. Right. Um, it, it is just a really- That's tragic. Horrible situation. Uh, one of the people who was with Wendy uh, daily when she was doing her show uh, is DJ Booth, uh, who was the DJ on the Wendy Williams show and was very close to her, especially when everything shut down during COVID. Um, he was there by her side uh, through good and bad. And there was, uh, there was plenty of both of those situations so joining us now to talk about the docuseries and Wendy's condition is DJ Booth. Welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Booth. Hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? I've been wondering about this all weekend, and I'm so glad we're able to talk to you. Um, Wendy fainted on set in 2017, 
And it was alarming to see the way this happened. And it's almost like she has just lost control. And how long was this going on? And was there a conflict that you saw? Because I think your perspective is so important, a conflict between the people who are running the show and the family in terms of what's best for Wendy? Yeah, I mean, um, to that point, I don't think no one knew exactly to the extent how bad it was. Um, I think I think I felt like people knew something was up with her, but they didn't really know. Um, I knew it because uh, uh, I've been around it, you know. Um, it's sad um, to see something like that happen to her. You know, um, she she needs help. She needs help. Yeah. You had an encounter during COVID uh, where you found her unresponsive. Can you kind of describe that and what you thought was going on at that point? Because that seemed particularly alarming. There was a day, you know, and, and she wasn't herself. And, you know, I called her, you know, her son. You know, I, I couldn't handle that. You know, I, I couldn't make those decisions. So I called the the... The closest person who I knew, who I speak to a lot, was her son. It was Kevin at that time. Right. Uh, it's interesting you bring up Kevin, uh, Booth, because there have been family members who say that they are now being sort of kept away from Wendy, and they're blaming the guardianship um, for that. Uh, what is, I'm curious what your relationship has been. Have you been able to be in touch with her, um, or do you see it the way the family is describing it? I speak to Wendy. You know, um, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know if they speak to her as much as I do. But I, I last time I spoke to her was probably like about a month ago. Um, I don't think. Yeah, they're. they're I don't think it's 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 not. It, I don't think it's her not keeping them in a loop. I think it could be the guardianship that's not letting them know exactly what's going on. That's how um, they see it, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you was to ask me, I think she does need to be around her family. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, this is so tragic. Yeah. It's difficult. You know, I, I got to say, um, you know, I've dealt with family illnesses, and I know how close you are to her, and I know it's hard on you, too. So, um, you know, we our sympathies go out to you as well. Thank you. It, it, it is hard for me a little because, um, you know, she not she's my friend. You know, I've I've with this woman for 12 years. So I seen it all, you know, and then we had, it was a, a, a relationship outside of the show that, you know, most people don't have with, you know, who they work for. So it's, you know, I was able to talk to her and put her in her place when she was wrong. And we, we spoke every day, hung out every day. I've, you know, I told her situations that I've been through with my own family, you know, when it comes to alcoholism, you know, and I used to, really tell her about herself, you know what I mean? And she allowed me to be as transparent as, as as transparent as possible with her. So even when we had our, I've seen it from afar and then I try to check her on it. And then even when me and her had our fallout and then, you know, I booked back into her in Miami, which everyone's seen. And we took a picture together and I seen her, she was a hundred percent great, she, you know? She was recovering, yeah. and that was due because I seen her in Miami, and she was with her son and Travis, and, and 
she seemed to be doing great. Yeah. I think and if you was to ask me, I believe my Florida would be a better place for her because that's where her family is. And she needs, I think that she needs that 24 hour care. Yeah. In my opinion. Well, we really appreciate you sharing that opinion with us, Boof. And uh, as we said, uh, our condolences for what you're going through. Um, it's just not easy for anybody in Wendy's life, and clearly not for Wendy either. Um, right. So we really appreciate you spending the time with us, man. Thank you, man. All right. Oh, boy. There's just no, there's it's, nothing about it is easy. No, it's so tragic. Yeah. Okay, we're going to shift gears. Yes, uh, shifting gears now to uh, Jerry Seinfeld, who had... Um, a very loud and some would say abusive evening in New York City uh, as he left an event um, that was held by uh, Barry Weiss, uh, the uh, famous journalist and supporter. She's Jewish and has been very vocal in her support for Israel. So Jerry Seinfeld went to this event to support her and when he walked out, this is what he heard. say something about uh, this. There are two things going on. There is, well, three things going on. Yeah. There is an October 7th massacre. There were, you know, uh, up uh, around 200 people taken hostage. And then there's the retaliation by Israel. Right. Those are not necessarily, those, those are not the same thing. And there are a lot of Israelis who are not happy with the way Netanyahu is handling the war. But that doesn't mean by supporting by the By saying movement. you want the hostages exactly. to come home does not mean that you are Precisely. for the genocide Precisely. of the Palestinian people, which is what you know Jerry was accused of, which Barry Weiss has been accused of, and she's been very outspoken and wanting. And even Jerry's wife uh, is on, on social media said a lot of things about, we need to get the hostages home. Yeah, a lot of the nuance in this whole conversation has been lost on both sides, especially from people that are pro-Palestine. Um, they're accusing people that are showing any kind of compassion for Israelis, anybody who died during the attack on October 7th. That's what Jerry Seinfeld did. He went over to Israel, I think a couple months ago or so, mm -hmm. to go see it for himself and to meet with some of the families uh, who'd suffered from this. That's showing compassion. That was a tragedy. It's, it's, it, that's fine, right? And yet, people see that and they perceive it as pro-Israel. They perceive it as pro-Zionism. They perceive it as pro-genocide. Yeah. Like that's. I gotta say, it's insane, it's insane. And the nuance, a lot of the nuance has been lost. And there, these people that are protesting, while their heart might perhaps be in the right place, I suppose, right? Because nobody right, wants to see want. innocent Palestinians being killed, obviously, but by the same token, showing some compassion on the Israeli side for people who have legitimately suffered is crazy. To call them pro-genocide right. is nuts. There was a There's massacre on October 7th. It was a massacre. Are they pro-massacre? I mean, that's what I kind of want to understand. No, they're not. Well, I mean, no, they're but, obviously not. But I, you I get your. You see yes, what I mean. I get the. You see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, what you're about to see is not instant replay, uh, <laughs> but this is brand new over the weekend. Right, that's a good point. Uh, Travis Kelsey and his Kansas City Chiefs teammates partying like crazy in Las Vegas. Yes, they went back, and what makes this particular visit to Vegas uh, interesting is that he left. Taylor Swift's side in Australia to go do this. Now, a lot of Taylor fans are upset about it, but... Well, well, you know why they're upset, and it's ridiculous. They're upset because they're saying, oh, you know, he's just a party animal, he just wants to go back to Vegas. 
No, this was a team event. And here's how you know it was a team event. Check this out. This was at Excess at the Wynn. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the place where they frequently party now. Uh, and listen to what they were doing uh, for the crowd. He's doing his job. He's, he's totally there to sell as a team leader. He is there doing what he is supposed to do. You are into celebrate sports. a championship. You are right. into sports, right? And I I have seen situations where there's a star player that that flies on his own plane right. sure. that doesn't isn't with the team, and they get and dragged. if you do that. They, they get dragged. They get, and also, if you do that, you can fracture the team. Right. If people, and if his teammates leader. are like, oh, he's choosing he's choosing uh, Taylor over right. us. Right. I, I could not agree more with you guys. He would have been absolutely crucified if he wasn't right. there. And, and it's not like he's just a member of the team. Like you said, Harvey, he is literally either the most prominent or the second most prominent player on the entire team. He's a leader. They all look to him as the leader. He had to be there. And I know the, the Chiefs have done a lot of winning, and maybe these things can And they've celebrated. You know, I, yeah. I think if we all try to speak for the Swifties, <laughs> which was, you just did this. You had a whole night of partying in Vegas with all your teammates. Why do you have to go back and do it again? It's, and I, I, I would hear that. I would say to them, winning a Super Bowl BS. is so no, 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 rare. No, I'm sorry. That's BS. They <laughs> won the Super Bowl. I was trying to be more diplomatic. Out, and they went out immediately. It was right. a spontaneous thing. It was great. But this is a formal celebration. And, and you know what? I know, I they really should mean want it. this. I, I, that is not a good defense. They should really, You're not helping them. This relationship is working, in my opinion, because he can stand on his own. He, right. Taylor, he's not in the, ta uh, the the shadow of Taylor Swift. He he stands on his own as this, well, this titan in his industry. Well, he's a in the shadow because of another song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, because, yeah. It, because Taylor, and maybe this will help with the Swifties. It's not like he just flew to Vegas, was partying, hanging out with girls, and forgot about Taylor. Even in the middle of the celebration with his teammates, Taylor was front and center. When you get a guy, guy that size jumping up and down singing along a love song, hey, come on. What more do you want? It's, it's clear that he's the fact that Taylor's, he's doing both. Taylor right? Swift is embedded in the NFL now. I mean, it's so unbelievable. I know. Look, we've got a special on tonight. We've got a, a documentary, TMZ Investigates, Taylor and Travis' Ultimate Love Story. And what we're getting into, and Babcock, you kind of hit it. What we're getting into, why is this relationship working? when all of her other ones ultimately did not. And there are reasons for it. And one of them is what you just said about him standing on his own. The fact is he's not in her lane. And yet they're both at the top of their game. And they don't compete with each other and they're not jealous of each other. They support each other. They support each other. And, and I think one of the people that you're gonna hear from uh, in this special is Heather McDonald, who I think oh, I has love this. I love this an bike. incredible perspective on who's, who's the alpha. Who's the alpha in this relationship? <laughs> What do you think the alpha in this relationship is? I think um, she is letting him be the alpha. You know, you always hear about women being criticized for emasculating the man, but no one gives us the credit when we purposely emasculate our man. And 
oftentimes women consciously do that. And it's a really smart thing to do. And it intentionally masculates it. And, it, and, it has, and nobody, you can't argue at this point, it's working up to this point. I guess the question is, will it continue to work? And we get into that also. We get into that as well. Yeah. So it's on tonight on Fox, nine o'clock, eight central. Um, we're really proud of this one. Hey, uh, Tony Santel from Brockton, Mass. I just want to say Travis and Kel uh, Travis and um, Taylor, they look happy together and they're having fun. Hopefully the relationship lasts. If it doesn't, then Travis can expect to uh, be the uh, reason why one of her albums goes uh, <laughs> He'll always have that. Be careful. Okay, we're moving on. All right, uh, to Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, you know, someone's gonna be uh, thrown under the bus here and you can figure out. I think it's the guy whose name's ri name rhymes with Mustin. Uh, so Britney Spears, uh, for some reason, decided she wanted to shout out uh, Janet Jackson this weekend and really thank her for being an inspiration. But in this long post about her, about Janet being an inspiration, there's one line that definitely everyone sees as a dig at Justin. She says, she, Janet, went through so much, but I feel she is someone I will look up to the, for the rest of my life. So what is the so, so much, much that Janet went through? Oh, you guys and, know what she why, means here. And why would Britney be doing this now? Why, of, of all times, is she reaching out and saying this about Janet Jackson now? Uh, oh, obviously, I have an answer. There's no timeline with Britney Spears, that's why. Right. There's, there's, there's no <laughs> yeah, timeline. Yeah, there is no timeline. And also, Justin is out on his tour now um, and enjoying some success. And maybe that's sort of... I don't know, irking, irking you, Britney. You do know what you do know what she's talking about, right? <laughs> she's obviously talking about the Super Bowl that Janet had with Justin Timberlake. This was the incident where he had either intentionally or unintentionally, I don't know, pulled off her top where Janet's boob was exposed. She was totally canceled at the time um, and went through a lot. But then also remember, Justin a few years back had apologized to both. Janet and Britney, so they were lumped together then, but now it seems kind of like she's trying to like reconnect with Janet, like the enemy of my enemy is my mm -hmm. friend. Is that what the saying is? That's the that saying. That is the saying. I don't I, even I'm know. sensing, I, I'm sensing a collab, music collab here. No, it's not gonna be a music collab. I mean, I don't know that, they certainly don't have any relationship that we know of. Um, have they met? This Probably, but. clearly about Justin. And remember, she got really incensed um, because of Justin saying, I don't have to apologize to anybody, and right. she got upset. So I think it rekindled that feud. Right, so speak out to Janet now because you wanna make, you wanna remind people, remember what Justin did? Exactly. And that's basically what she Exactly. Hey, this is Ace from Charlotte, man. I'm gonna just say this, Britney Spears, yo, just, just, just chill, because this, this has nothing to do with you. It just kinda sounds like Britney want her shirt ripped off by Justin, but I don't want to start no trouble. Uh, but that's what well, it sounds you just like. did. Yeah. <laughs> you just did. Yeah. Shane Gillis, a, a comedian who uh, is very successful, stand-up comedian, very successful uh, with his specials that he's had uh, on YouTube. Um, and I think he has an, he does have a Netflix special as well. Uh, but he returned to SNL. And I say returned, which might sound weird because you go, I've never seen that guy in SNL. Well, you didn't because yeah. he got fired before he started. <laughs> right, uh, because when they hired him, they then found out about some comments that he had made on a podcast where he made some, used some ethnic slurs, used, uh, talked about Asian people using an accent that he probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, and once they found out about all that, they fired him. 
Um, he came on at the same time Bowen Yang did, interestingly, and Bowen Yang he was course, upset. Was upset and is still on the show. So how did this play out with him hosting SNL? Well, he did Which make- is so interesting, by the way, That they right? brought him back. That they brought him back to host. Right, so he did make a reference to the firing, but if anybody was expecting an apology or for him to back off his brand of humor at all, that did not happen. Check out just a little bit of the monologue. Most of you probably have no idea who I am. Uh, I was actually, I was fired from this show uh, a while ago, but if, you know, don't look that up, please. If you don't know who I am, please don't Google that. It's fine, don't even worry about it. <laughs> I'll tell you this, I don't know if you guys, uh, if you can tell by looking at me, but I do have family members with Down syndrome. <laughs> Look, I don't have any material that can be on TV, all right? <laughs> I'm trying my best. Also, this place is extremely well lit. I can see everyone not enjoying it. <laughs> I'd say my niece is probably in like fifth, sixth grade, out at recess, and some white kids out there are like, hey, you're not allowed to play with us. You're And then uh, three black kids come flying out of nowhere. Just start wailing on that cracker. Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, I think some people like this because he's a lot more edgy than the comedians that you see on Saturday Night Live, but people also definitely didn't like this because he's going after Down syndrome people. I get he's referencing his family and some of this, but hurling the R word, and I mean, look at the guitarist who's right behind him during all of this. She is just deadpan, and I think a lot of people felt that way. What yeah. I don't understand is they rehearsed this show. So yeah. it's not like this yeah. was a surprise. Well, you know what I mean? And I think that to that point, what you said, Jacob, that's interesting that what the people in the band, what their reaction is, they knew what he was going to do. Right. And they had decided they were not, they're not going to laugh. And by the way, maybe they just didn't find it funny. So I don't want to make it sound like they were, they wanted to laugh. They clearly weren't going to show that any, you know, that they were entertained but can by I tell you, can I tell you what I find really interesting about this? They fired him for the exact same thing that he, he did on, on the did. show, and they clearly must have it rehearsed is, this. It is an Isn't interesting it weird? choice. And, and by the way, what we said about Bo and Yang, at the end of the show, you know, after he says goodnight and all the cast members are on stage, he and Bo and Yang, look, shook hands, they hugged, and obviously, I'm sure there was a conversation they had about this. I, I, I think Bo and had even said he was going to speak to him about it. I have so. a theory. I have a theory. Um, how long ago was he fired? Like four years ago? It was 20... 2019. Yeah. 2019, yeah. Close. Yeah. Not bad. You nailed it. Not bad. Almost. Um, so I think that the society has shifted a little bit. That was right at the core of cancel culture, mm -hmm. where anything you said got you canceled. And I think Saturday Night Live reacted to it then, and the pendulum has swung back some. And I think there's some regret that it went as far as it did in that direction. And maybe that's why they brought him back and said, we're going to do it. Right. Just because comedy has shifted back again, I think. Yeah. Hey, Jay out of Iron Mountain, Michigan. And one thing is uh, certain now is 90 kids uh, everywhere are rejoicing that our childhood insults are making a comeback. <laughs> childhood insults. Yeah. Um, uh, depends on your age, yes. Yeah, it but does. Unfortunately, yes, some of those things were said. Uh, it is just interesting to see him leaning into it that way instead of backing off. And there is something to be said for the fact that I know people think he was going after people with Down syndrome, but it was sort of like he's saying, look, it's, these people are in my, you know, I have family members that I deal with. Does he feel like he has a pass? 
I think he does. Right. Yeah, and, and does the audience take it as a pass? That I'm not sure of. Yeah, that I'm not sure of. <laughs> okay, we're taking a break. All right, when we come back, a youth football fight. We're used youth, to seeing... Youth football. Youth, it's youths fighting. But uh, these weren't kids fighting. It was former NFL superstar Cam Newton in the middle of a huge brawl. Why? I don't know why someone thought that Cam Newton is a big dude. You will see how this all turned out. Welcome back to TMZ Live. When we talk about youth sports, you first thing you usually think about is oh, some parents who you know are yelling at a ref and right. you see fights and exactly that sort of thing breaks out. Yes. This brawl did not involve a parent, not a parent of any of the kids playing. Cam Newton, the former NFL superstar, who was there as sort of a you know celebrity host of this uh, youth football tournament that was going on, and yet he ended up in a huge brawl. Uh, watch this. You're going to see Cam, by the way, who is now famous as famous as, as he is for football. He's famous for his hat wear. He's always wearing these big showy hats. I like that. Oh, you like that one? I did. I uh, that. That's not the one he was wearing at this event in Atlanta, but he had a hat on that throughout this fight, I, I'm sorry, it's not, I know the fight is serious. I just watch the hat. It doesn't come off. It's weird. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be tough when you're but wearing the hat. Yeah, here's the, here's the brawl. Full context here, for those who don't know, Cam Newton, not your average quarterback. No, he's 6'5", Charles. Yeah. He's 6'5", like probably 250, 260 pounds at this point, and he's still only 34 years By old. By the way, that's 6'5", without the hat. Right. Right, right. seven <laughs> feet with the hat. So why these kids, or I don't know how old they were, but felt like attacking Cam Newton was a good idea? I mean, they did do it in a large group, so. Right, and if you watch the video, Charles, he still handled you yeah. know, three or four of them, which shows just how tremendous of an athlete Cam Newton actually is, which we all knew. Maybe these guys didn't. Um, so the way the story goes is that there had been, this was like an all weekend deal with this tournament. And there had been some tension the day before, which from Saturday, which clearly spilled over to Sunday. Now, it sounds like it all started innocently enough with with some, you know, mild trash talk. Right. But, uh, which happens at, in a football tournament. Right. Exactly. Nothing really out of the ordinary there, Charles. But obviously then tensions got to the point where these guys confirmed confronted Cam. From everything I see, they started with him. They got physical with him first, and Cam just protecting himself at that point. Uh, but an ugly moment when you've got a bunch of kids who obviously look up to Cam Newton and look up to these adults, and, and everyone's fighting as the kids are really watching. Really ugly moment. And, and I'm watch, as we're watching the video, you see staff members who aren't necessarily, not all of them, are willing to jump into the middle of this because I'll be honest, when I'm out anywhere, if you see a fight break out, the first thing I think is it's not going to be just punches. And I'm worried about, no, you're right. you know what you're, I mean? You're and, absolutely right. And thankfully, it didn't go beyond punches, but it is really bizarre to see, uh, and they, see they, them and attack they, a, And they just attacked like him, right? Yeah. Jeez. Hello, Torn LP here, Deep East Texas. And not to expose how country some of us are down here or how little I know about football, but Cam Newton turned those boys every which way but loose. <laughs> Why did they think that was a smart idea? Isn't he used to fending off multiple attackers at one time? I hope they're happy for their 15 minutes of fame because they got it. They got handled three on one by Cam Newton. Back to you. Yeah, they, they did. And by the way, he's used to taking on people 
his size multiple at well, a time. Not, not to mention, five. I mean, well, yeah, when he's playing football. Yeah, but that's and still those tall. guys weren't six five. No. Um, so. But there were a lot of them. By the way, did did I I didn't see any video, Mike, of like police. Nobody called police. Nothing. They just broke this up. And that there was were it. actually some police there, but as of right now, and Atlanta police is being very strange about the way they're talking about this. They're essentially saying no comment, no comment, no comment. They won't even say oh, if they're weird. investigating. That's weird. Hmm. Okay, let's talk about a man and a horse. Yes, uh, a man and a horse uh, who probably should not have been on that horse. The man is Bad Bunny, um, who we've seen on horses, but uh, PETA and others are very upset about where he was riding horse most recently during his concert in Salt Lake City. Um, he came out for the second half of the, of the concert on horse, um, on the stage. Uh, his music, you can hear, is going in the background. The crowd... Uh, is loving this, and they're you know they're swelling uh, with their cheers, and that's the problem um, that uh, Peta had with this. Well, I agree with Peta. Yeah. I got to say, I, I really like Bad Bunny. This is a bad look, and I know he's into horses and all. This is a horse that yeah. is in the middle of all this pandemonium. People screaming. And, it's not right. Right. So Peta posted this on TikTok saying, "Bad Bunny using a horse as a prop for your tour is cruel and irresponsible. The horse." The fans or you could have been hurt. Yeah, and it wasn't only PETA that, that was obviously upset about this. People took to Twitter. All the animal people came Good. out of the woodwork. Were very upset. <laughs> well, and what does that mean? Well, all the know, animal well, people dude, came out of the woodwork. When a animal people come out of the woodwork and they come well, hard. Well, when animals are in a bad and, situation, that's a they bad, should be. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right. I'm just saying they came out of the woodwork. Well, but <laughs> um, So, yeah, it, it's unclear because he does have some shows in Arizona this week. Bad Bunny hasn't said anything about it. Like you, you touched on a little bit, I, I do think he is a big horse person because remember yeah. we got those photos of him and, uh, and Kendall, Kendall riding around. And even before her, yeah, he was, uh, yeah. He's yeah. a horse he person. Does. But yeah. look, uh, you know, th this is just wrong. And th uh, to show you why it's wrong, let's go back a year with CeeLo Green, um, where he a was different on a man on a horse. Yeah, in a nightclub. And this is just, look at what happens to this horse. The, I mean, the it, lights and the sound, uh, you know. Yeah, I think I think the issue everyone the has is it spooks the animal. They are very scared, obviously, especially with the loud music. Yeah. I think that's probably the main issue. But yeah, so I, I would imagine maybe he's going to. dance floor. That right too. But I think he, I would imagine he's going to probably pull it from his uh, tour. Good. But we'll Good. see. Good. We'll hey. see. Peter did good on this one. Juwan from Alabama. Uh, I guess I'm in the minority. Uh, we deal with a lot of horses here. So um, my thing is, as long as he's trained and they are prepared for what might happen, it should be fine. So, but hey, he he just need to cross his T's and dot his I's and make sure everybody's safe. Or leave the horse at home. That's my opinion. As Wendy Williams fans were reeling from the revelation last week that she is battling aphasia and uh, frontotemporal uh, dementia, um, there was another bombshell when the docuseries uh, came out this weekend, which was her battles with alcohol. And there are so many other health uh, issues that Wendy is dealing with. We're gonna be joined by a, a neurologist who knows all about this diagnosis. Uh, but first, here is a little bit um, of the complication, I think, and we'll find out from the doctor, but the complication of alcoholism with her diagnosis. Did you eat something or did you have a liquid lunch? Because I came into your room and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I happened to notice one of your specialty items. 
did you drink this whole thing today? Yes, no. But, okay, let's just have a, a quick conversation about this. Don't you feel like maybe this is a bit excessive? I, I don't know if you need this right now. We Why? Have a lot, because we have a lot of business I'm not going on. I never said you was drunk, but I just don't know if this is a good idea. you. So you think you're perfectly fine having as many drinks as you want? Perfectly. Okay. But I'm just going to put it downstairs and keep it cool. Keep it there. Okay. Keep it there. Wow. It's just so sad. Really, uh, really difficult situation. Um, joining us now is Dr. Leah Kroll. She is uh, an assistant professor of clinical neurology at Temple University, and she is joining us now. Dr. Kroll, welcome to TMZ Live. Thanks for having me. Dr. Kroll, the disease itself, um, uh, frontal temporal dementia and aphasia, is bad enough. How is it exacerbated by alcoholism? This is a really interesting question, and I'll start off by saying there's no evidence that directly links alcoholism or chronic overuse of alcohol to frontotemporal dementia. But it's also no secret that alcohol is hard on the body, um, and that's true of every organ system. The brain is included in that. Um, and so certainly alcohol is a factor that could be at play here. It doesn't help brain health. Uh, but frontotemporal dementia on its own can do all sorts of things. Mm. I think the first time a lot of people heard of aphasia was when Bruce Willis was diagnosed with it. And we've seen some really moving moments where his family has shared how they're all around him, there to help him. What is it like for a patient who's going through this, going through aphasia? Um, how much does that help uh, have that sort of support system? Because the other thing we saw in this special is that Wendy, for whatever reason uh, you believe, doesn't have her family around her right now. Look, your support system is everything. Um, anyone who's watching who's had any experience with neurologic disease, whether that's directly or through a loved one, knows that something like aphasia or dementia or both affects every second of every day. And you need a lot of people rallying around you to get through that, to help you function, to help you do what you need to do to cope. Um, and so for patients who don't have that kind of support, it's certainly a huge, huge barrier um, in terms of how well they do. The other thing I want to point out here, I love that you mentioned Bruce because Bruce and Wendy and their families, I think, really deserve to be commended. It is not easy to talk about frontotemporal dementia. It is not easy or glamorous to talk about aphasia. But in doing that, they are drawing awareness to these conditions, and they're also making it a little bit easier for the average person to have these conversations because now there's a way into some of those difficult conversations. You know, doctor, uh, the thing that just, just, just gnaws at me here is dealing with the disease, um, dementia and aphasia and all, um, is hard enough. I mean, it's, it's a losing battle. When you take alcoholism and put, a, put that on top of it, you know, it is hard for people to overcome alcoholism or to put it in check. And when remember, you've got that disease, it feels almost impossible that she has the wherewithal to conquer that, which itself can kill. It's an interesting point. Look, we know that one of the hallmarks of frontotemporal dementia is that it impacts decision-making, executive function, it impacts your filter, your behavior, your personality. Um, and so certainly it could alter someone's self-control in that respect. And not to mention, by the way, doctor, that Wendy was, as we knew, was already battling 
uh, lymphedema Graves and disease. Graves disease. Um, it just seems like a lot. And I, what's the best that someone who is, has all these diagnoses, what's the best that they can hope for? Well, just looking at frontotemporal and uh, dementia and primary progressive aphasia, which are her, uh, which is her diagnosis, um, you know, this is a progressive neurologic condition. We don't have a cure. We don't have medications that can slow down its progression. Um, and so it's, it's going to progress invariably. It's a question of how quickly that decline comes. Um, and so only time will tell. This is a very individual process and we'll have to wait and see. Wow. Doctor, um, this, there is nothing yeah. but bad news in this. Um, we so appreciate you coming on because just understanding just the gravity of this, you know, creates empathy and, um, and thank you. Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. And, and you hope that the people around Wendy, obviously her family already understands it, but anybody else who's involved in her care understands what the doctor just said there. Yeah. You know, and that having your family around does help. You just so. need empathy. Yeah. Okay, we are gonna take a break. All the signs were there uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. It was just too much of a coincidence yep. that Kendall Jenner is sitting in a luxury suite at the Super Bowl. With Devin Booker. Devin Booker happens to be. They weren't next to each other, but that the fact that Devin was in the same suite as her, yeah, they Sun's couldn't be just coincidence. Up. Well, we found out it's not a coincidence. They are back together, and they have. Uh, there have been other instances of them crossing paths since the Super Bowl. Yeah, and guys, we know uh, from people very close to them that they were actually in Dallas together last week. No one got pictures of it, but we know from people that we've spoken to uh, that she actually went with him. The Mavs were playing the Suns, so they were there in town for a few days. She actually stayed at the same hotel as uh, his Ooh. team, so... The people close to them are saying that they're not exclusive, that, you know, but they are spending time together and they are obviously talking again. Can I just say, one of the reasons that I love this Taylor Travis thing is I'm so sick of celebrities where they're pretending sort like they're not dating. We'll, we'll, we'll walk out separately. You be there and I'll be there. It's just Well, dumb. for them, but this is a different situation because they're exes and they're getting back together, right? So... They don't. They definitely don't want to be. They're public. in the same suite. But at they the definitely Super Bowl. don't want to be public, and that's yeah. And he's sitting way in the back row, and she's but they're in the, in the same row. suite, right? Like, and they don't want to be public yet because well, they are what public. If, because in what, the if, Super Bowl. what if the rekindling doesn't work out? But they're in the super. They're in the same suite. Do you know I how mean, big those suites are? It doesn't matter. They're together. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? No, I know they're together. I'm saying the reason they're not being like Taylor and Travis is they're probably a little uneasy. Yo, guys, Stephen Daniels, Kokomo, Indiana. I wasn't surprised, man. You know, she is a Kardashian. The Kardashian love it long and strong. They love them ball players. <laughs> That's how they roll. <laughs> Always been that way. I'm glad you said that. We were not going to use, no, we would not have described it that we way. We would not have. But we get the point. Rihanna is over in Italy. Uh, she had been there celebrating her birthday last week. And uh, she walked out of an event. Um, there's a fashion week. It's always fashion week in Milan. I guess people in Milan would say that. It's fashion week every week. That's the, right. way, that's the way they sell Milan. Uh, and we're used to seeing fans gathered, of course. They want to get a photo with her. And sometimes she takes photos. This time, Rihanna went over and above. And in fact, probably shouldn't have Should done this. Should not have done this. Thank you so much. All right. Be safe, okay? Yeah, of course. It's not video from...
from outside. She let them into the car. They took photos. They shot videos. She goes to this uh, this joint called uh, Giorgio Baldi, which is a great restaurant in All Santa Monica. Yep. You can have valets jumping in the back of the car. Hey, what's this, going on? This, are you saving my pasta? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome back. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey.